Edwards Life Sciences would like to express our gratitude for all those on the front lines of responding to this fluid situation with COVID-19. We appreciate the strong leadership and dedication of healthcare providers to patients around the world, and we express our care and concern for you during this challenging time. You're listening to Rock's Heart Radio. This month, Roxana Mehran talks about cardiology meetings in the COVID-19 era with Ron Blankstein and Asif Kassin. What's worked so far and what hasn't? Hello everyone, this is Roxana Moran from uh, Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. And we're here today on the Rock's Heart Radio Show. And so, so thrilled to have two wonderful guests. Our topic today is about the cardiovascular meetings online. What works, what doesn't work, when do we go back to normal during this COVID pandemic and how do we, uh, how are we all, um, dealing with the uh, meetings and the annual scientific meetings. My guests today are two fantastic, uh, wonderful colleagues and friends. Uh, we start first um, across the pond uh, in England, uh, Dr. Asif Kassin, who is uh, an interventional cardiologist, the founder and CEO of MedSure, which is a, a, a platform with over a million physicians uh, sharing cases and uh, clinical case discussion network um, in 190 countries. Uh, we're really, really thrilled to have you. Uh, welcome, Asif. If it's okay, I'm gonna call you Asif. Please do, Roxana. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Our uh, second guest, uh, we're really, really thrilled to completely on the other uh, a side of the spectrum in prevention is Dr. Ron Blanken, Blank, Blankstein, who's, the, uh, who's professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, associate director of cardiovascular imaging program, and director of the cardiac CT uh, uh, program at, MGA, at, at the Brigham and Women's Hospital. He's a preventive uh, cardiology specialist at the Brigham and Women's Hospital. And we're just very, very thrilled uh, to have him in addition, he's the past, immediate past president, I, I believe, of the Society of Cardiovascular CT. And uh, we're just so thrilled to have you to talk, um, here with us, um, Dr. Blankenstein. Can I call you Ron? Absolutely, and thanks for having me. Welcome, Ron. Uh, Ron and Asif, uh, this is a, a great time and a, and a difficult time. Uh, we in the cardiovascular uh, and in medicine in general have tried to find ways to continue to connect with each other, just like every other platform and every other um, uh, subspecialty. What I wanted to do today is to talk about um, the uh, current uh, uh, meetings on Zoom, especially, especially the cardiovascular uh, meetings. So maybe we can start with you, Asif. Um, how many Zoom meetings were you in last week? <laughs> oh, that's a tough question. But so I know that on an average day, I spend five to six hours on Zoom. Um, and that includes sometimes clinical management meetings. It includes med chair meetings with my team and with clients. And it includes listening to things like webinars. And um, in med chair, we've been using Zoom for a couple of years already, and we know the founders and some of the seed investors. So we weren't surprised to see it 
um, becoming so widespread. And I think what's become clear is that the functionality is straightforward to use. And, and also the, the webinar functionality has meant that um, individuals are filling some of the gaps in meetings by organizing webinars and meetings. But yeah, about five or six hours on most days. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Ron, um, uh, you were telling me about the multitudes of the um, meetings. I mean, just this week, we're going to be uh, having the entire European Society of Cardiology online in a digital platform. Um, TCT is going online in, called TCT Connect. Uh, what's going on in prevention and what, what are you seeing? What do you think about uh, what's happening right now? as far as education online in medicine? Yeah, so it's, it's been a busy summer uh, with respect to meetings. I, I think just in the last couple of weeks, we've had uh, SCCT, which had both its cardiac CT meeting and a prevent, prevention symposium, American Society of Preventive Cardiology in the imaging world. Uh, we just had the American Society of Echo also online. Uh, in, in September, we'll have American Society of Nuclear Cardiology. So it seems like every weekend there's a, there's a new meeting, uh, and of course, these meetings have been there all along, but I think the fact that they're online now uh, means that they're more accessible to a wider audience and uh, more individuals are joining. But, but having been involved now in the planning of several of these meetings, it's, uh, it's actually immensely challenging. Uh, I think all our organizations are uh, brand new, and how do you do this? How do you take a meeting that initially was designed for an in-person, face-to-face meeting, and now... Uh, create an attractive uh, and educational uh, online program. So certainly uh, it's challenging, but I think it's challenging that it's been uh, uh, embraced by the uh, cardiology community. Yeah, incredibly challenging. Asif, uh, how do you think that learning is being uh, affected? Are, are we reaching actually a wider audience? I mean, there are some good, right? Let's talk about some of the good. What are some of the goods? <laughs> what works? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely good in terms of um, very low-cost access to very good meetings online. But I think Ron has touched on some of the challenges, which is we know that what doesn't work is simply streaming what would have been in-person online. And so we need to look at novel formats. I think the TVT meeting tried this with TVT Connect, which as the face-to-face Congress, it's normally three days of sessions, whereas the TBT Connect digital meeting was, I think, over eight or 10 days with three hourly sessions a day. So the idea that people dip in and out of sessions. I think one of the challenges is that when we go away to congresses, as well as all of those nice face-to-face meetings, we actually take time out of our schedules. And so whilst digital may seem more accessible for Congress, we need to be able to take time to actually attend, see, view, participate in the sessions that are available. Yeah, I mean, Ron, where do you, how do you find time? I, uh, I find it almost impossible. Uh, my weekends now, you know, during the week, we're now, um, you know, trying to build back what we lost over the first few months in March, April, May. Uh, we're building back, bringing patients back. There's clinical time has become extremely busy. How do you fit this all in? It, it's obviously very challenging. I think for, for all of us, uh, my, myself included, uh, we've seen an increase in our cardiovascular imaging volume because of cases that were postponed and preventive cardiology patients uh, 
We've actually kept those visits on because a lot of those are, have been virtual. So those never really went down a, a whole lot. Uh, if anything, I feel like there's a renewed interest in prevention now, uh, perhaps. But uh, certainly challenging in the fact that all of us are working uh, a, a fair amount during the week and then on top of that have weekend meetings. Uh, and I think Asif's point is, is, is exactly right. People are not taking time off to go to meetings, which actually makes it more, more difficult to, uh, to uh, tune in now. Perhaps one advantage is that when you go to a meeting now, you don't feel, you don't need to hear every talk. You know it's all recorded. The content is there to stay uh, sometimes for years later. So uh, I think many folks are just tuning into a meeting, hearing a few lectures and knowing it's all online and they can kind of get the content later on. I know that's certainly been the case for me for some of the meetings where I couldn't listen to, to all the talks. Yeah. So what do you guys think is sort of the best happy medium? Is it... Um... You know, is it an hour? Is it, uh, you know, I, yesterday I heard um, on, a, on a Zoom meeting with, uh, with, my, with the medical school, we were trying to teach the medical students and they're saying no more than three hours of Zoom. Uh, I was saying no more than 40 minutes of Zoom. Uh, it's just it's a lot uh, to, to try to keep connected and to actually pay attention when you are behind a computer and you've got other windows open and other responsibilities. So what's the happy medium? Um, Asif, what do you think is the best possible venue here? Because as you can see, now that these um, meetings have become virtual, I think every Tom, Dick and Harry is having a meeting on top of uh, all of our uh, societies and, um, and then their side meetings and each of the annual meetings, everything is sort of blending in. And some of the talks are the same uh, by the same speakers in different meetings. Um, what's the happy medium? How do, we, how do we go forward? I think it's a really tough call because, you know, there are reasons why meetings developed as three or four days of continuous meetings in one place. And if we had a blank sheet of paper starting from virtual and digital meetings, it would look very different. And I suspect that most... Um, um, societies and congresses and groups would have something that looks more like a channel that had regular programming than, um, than a broadcast that was set for specific times. And, um, and as Ron has said, because you can have things on demand, it, it, it then would start to reflect what we see as uh, in television and in streaming media in, in that sense. I think one of the things that will happen, as you say, is that there'll be, there'll be a large volume of new content and then it will become clear where people's attention is and it may be that there'll be some consolidation then into what becomes more useful. I think certainly for things like um, late-breaking trials, for guideline releases and so on, then having fixed time points is very useful because that signals a, a specific event. I think it becomes harder when you look at more training-related courses because they could be ongoing in the background. So I think where um, you know, COVID has disrupted things, it's, it's, as you say, it's created a lot more people putting teaching, training, learning, educational content out there. But I think that will start to consolidate as people realize they can only look at so much. Yeah, yeah. so I th how do you see the perfect, what's the perfect happiest medium? So I think, uh, I think it's both the lengths of the meeting, but also the lengths of the talk. So for meetings, I think it's very apparent that nobody wants to sit through a, a day-long meeting. I mean, I, I think that just doesn't exist uh, virtually. And 
we saw that early on was the ACC. They made a really good decision to cut the, the day to half day programs. And I think all the virtual meetings have followed in a similar fashion. So half a day, I, I think, is really the max, especially on, on, on these weekend meetings. But even that is, is a lot. Uh, so on top of that, uh, how do you draw folks in? Uh, in there's a couple ways to do that. So first of all, I think the talks have to be much shorter, uh, 10 minute talks, which uh, admittedly are actually more difficult to give than a 20 or 15 minute talk that a lot of us are, are used to. You have to be very, very focused as the speakers, but short talks, uh, more interactive aspects, whether it's breakout rooms, whether it's uh, chat features, uh, whether it's polls, uh, whether it's something fun as part of the meeting. I know uh, uh, at SCCT, we had various uh, games as part of the meeting. The American Society of Accra had a karaoke contest uh, as part of the meeting. So that there has to be some aspect of uh, entertainment that perhaps is not always the most educational, but it's still fun and people talk about it. So I think those are important uh, uh, features to have. Now, I still think it's important to have a dedicated time for the meeting where people can actually take time and know for those two days they're going to spend time at a particular meeting, at least for some people. Uh, so I still see that most of the meeting has to happen at a particular time point, but then there will be content that will last uh, online uh, uh, much longer, perhaps sessions that can happen before the actual meeting. So the start time and the end time for a meeting are going to be very much blurred. Um, but we'll have content that will last for a long period of time. So durable content that is perhaps even uh, pre-recorded or at least archived for people to go to, keeping the uh, late-breaking trials and scientific news, the, the latest, the newest, the, the important stuff out there in a live platform, allowing for a live Q&A and live uh, presentation, but um, also in a shorter period of time, Reducing the um, the lectures, but in enhancing the the talking and the panel discussions, to allow for some communication. The kinds of things that we miss so very much from the uh, in-person meetings. Am I in yeah. the right? Am I on the right track? I think, guys? Uh, I think that's well well put, and I, I want to emphasize what you said is about shorter talks to allow for more Q and A, more panel discussions, because at the end those are actually more interesting for people to, uh, to listen to. And that's often when the most interesting points come out, some of the controversies come out, things that people might not want to put in their slides, uh, they often will uh, bring out during a Q&A session. So to me, those are, those are absolutely essential and focusing more on that and, and less on uh, the traditional uh, barrage of slides that most people show. So that's wonderful. And I think one last thing uh, for us in interventional cardiology, and I'm sure, Ron, for you guys in prevention and in imaging, you like to show some of the live images or uh, you play those images and you use a lot of that. But for us, it's about the live cases. It's about the technical aspects and how we get the expert panel having different discussions about different ways, technical aspects of our interventional procedures that the live meetings uh, were providing. It was the most important, I think, educational venue at TCT. Asif, uh, what do you think is the future of live cases? How do we do that in a way that is respectful to everyone's time, allows for um, a good discussion? What do you think? And then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, Roxana, you're right. Those live cases have always been the most popular sessions at meetings like TCT. 
Um, I was a fellow with Antonio Colombo over 10 years ago, and I remember him then saying, how do we make them more interactive and engaging? Uh, and certainly on MedShare, it's the case discussion element that people engage with. Um, I think that what will happen is that we will have some live cases, but we'll probably have more cases in a box or case segments. Uh, what we find is that when people share cases, what's most engaging and interesting is where there is debate, controversy, ambiguity, differences of opinion, and differences in interpretation of how you apply the evidence or the guidelines, and that generates good discussion. So quite often on MedShare, a single image of a diagnostic or a question saying, I'm at this point in the CTO, what would you do next? That's what generates discussion and debate and brings out um, both personal, uh, personal practice preferences, but also how people apply the evidence to what they think is the right thing to do. So I think live cases will continue, but we're probably going to get more cases in a box, selected segments and so on to make it very targeted around the discussion points. And Ron, I guess uh, the other thing would be image interpretation for you guys. That would be fabulous to put up like these, uh, you know, sessions on, I would, I would go on putting up images and letting people interpret and have a discussion across. Uh, uh, it would be really, really interesting, uh, more interesting than hearing uh, lectures. Yeah, I agree. Whether you're in intervention, prevention, or imaging, I think we all learn by cases. It's it's a way we relate to things more, and we learn in the context of a patient. Of a patient, and we all think, what would we do in that scenario? So, I think cases are, are really important. And I think in the online era with virtual meetings, you you can actually uh, poll the audience and ask them what they would do in various cases. Uh, have a panel discussion. So there's an opportunity to actually do cases uh, even better than before. Now, the other thing in, in imaging is that often uh, in cases like cardiac CT, we relied on 3D workstations to manipulate the data and show uh, a coronary artery from various different projections. And those are things that we used to not be able to do online. We had to do these uh, hands-on courses where people would actually all go and, and be in a convention place in a hotel for these courses. And one of the things that's happened now is we've actually learned how to do these uh, hands-on uh, virtual courses for reading cardiac CT and also in other modalities. So I think we're actually completely changing how we're teaching imaging and we're finding ways to do it quite effectively virtually uh, in cases where that was never uh, done and uh, probably not even possible before. Well, this has been a fantastic discussion with both of you, Dr. Blankstein, Dr. Kassim. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I think the future is bright. I hope that um, we will be over this, but before we get there, you guys have shown us some of the most creative and innovative approaches to connect uh, the world of cardiology and to continue on the education and case-based discussions. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great to, uh, to have you on the program.